Hello and welcome into Jam Session. Glad to have whoever you are listening to us. Jam Session is Matt McLaren and Jean-Jacques Taylor. We're two guys who used to do a radio show on ESPN Radio in Dallas, Texas. We now do this podcast. We talk a lot about the Dallas Cowboys, other Dallas sports teams, and just our interests in Dallas, nightlife, stories, beer, all kinds of things. Glad to have you. Thanks for listening. Let's get going. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored as always by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law will fight that legal battle so that you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, the moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio, the TV, the podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This, of course, is Jam Session, the podcast, version 398, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. Much to get into today, including a very bizarre... Jacques's been going around to these weird-ass sports that people forget about. (laughs) And we're going to have to get into that, and we'll do that shortly, because you just... Especially today, man, you just don't expect anybody to go... And, and partake and view what you did. So I can't wait to hear about that. So we've got that. Got a little Cowboys thought as we are now. I mean, keep in mind, everybody listening to this on Monday, the 17th, the Cowboys head to Oxnard next week. We are basically a little over a week away from the Cowboys opening training camp for the 2023 season, as crazy as that is. So we got some stuff to dive into. But again, it's always because of our sponsors that we were able to keep this thing going. And at the top of that list is Greening Law, man. Robert Greening and his team, the Green Team. If you have been hurt in a car accident, if you've experienced malpractices, you were injured on the premises of a business, you may not even know. Like, I have no idea. Do I have a case or not? I don't know. The consultation is free. If insurance companies are getting involved with you and you had injury, you need to give Greening Law a call and, and see, maybe you do have a case and see what they can do for you. You know, the thing about Greening Law, man, is they ride with you. They walk you through the process. They show you when to turn left, when to turn right, when to hold tight. All of that stuff, man. And it's the reason why, uh, you know, Matt says if you're involved in something like this, he knows from experience, you got to ride with them. You got to let them help you against the other people's big insurance company. That's how it goes down. Here's the thing. It doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone and say, hey, here's my situation. What do you think? Consultation's free. And as I like to tell folks, they don't get paid unless you get paid. That's exactly right, man. I mean, it it doesn't get any better than that. And the fact that you can find out if you have a case or not, they'll let you know. It's an easy process. So give them a call. Robert Greening, 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, Offices, Dallas, Texas. So I can't believe it's already been a year because I was looking at this as like, man, it seems like this just came out, but it's it's been a year. And every year ESPN does this thing. It's kind of cool where... They go through and it's their NFL season preview where they survey league executives, coaches, scouts, and players, and then rank the top 10 players at 11 different positions. And it's, I mean, it's everything. It's off-ball linebackers, defensive tackles, edge rushers, cornerbacks, safeties, tight ends, running backs, offensive tackles, guards and centers, quarterbacks, and wide receivers. Now, As we record this, the quarterbacks will come out Monday and the wide receivers Tuesday. So I imagine we'll revisit this again later in the week. But all the other positional rankings have been released. And I always think it's interesting to see how people around the league view the talent that the Cowboys have. Because again, all these lists, I mean, if if, if it's 10 people in a position, that's basically a third of the league. There's honorable mention. So a lot of the times it'll give you like 15 different guys. And I kind of look at it and go, man, if the Cowboys don't have a dude in the top 15 (laughs) at his position, it kind of, I don't know, to some degree, you kind of raise an eyebrow and go, really? But 
like if you look at off-ball linebacker, I, I, I wouldn't expect the Cowboys to have one. I don't know even who would be considered one of the top off-ball linebackers that would even be close for what the Cowboys have because you don't consider Micah Parsons that. They're looking at him no. as an edge rusher. No, definitely. And so outside of that, I and the Cowboys do not have anybody listed in like the 18 or 19 names that were not only in the top 10, but also in the honorable mentions and others receiving votes. Like Fred Warner of the 49ers is the number one off-ball linebacker in the NFL, followed by Roquan Smith and uh, of the, the Ravens. And then, of course, Trayman Edwards from the Chicago Bears, Matt Milano from the Bills, and Devin White from the Bucks. Those are your top five off-ball linebackers. But again, I, I probably would have been absolutely surprised if somebody from the Cowboys was listed amongst any of these guys. No, I, I got to agree with that, man. There's nobody but Michael Parsons, and we know he's a defensive end for the most part these days, and so the linebackers are fairly anonymous on the Cowboys. Defensive tackles. And again, this is one of those positions. This is why the Cowboys did what they did in the draft back in April. They're hoping that they can get a dude who's a big, meaty guy that possibly maybe gets you a bonus sack here and there, but more so frees up opportunities to eat some blockers in the middle of the line. The Cowboys, of course... Out of the names listed for defensive tackle, there were 15, including honorable mentions, and then another, I think, seven received votes. So out of 22 guys that at least got a vote, the Cowboys did not have a defensive tackle listed. Again, that don't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, who Who's there you want? Neville Gallimore or Diggy Zua? Yeah. I mean, none of those, you know, hopefully uh, – uh, the first round pick will be up there in a, in a few years, but there's a reason why they took a defensive tackle number one overall, a uh, run stopping defensive tackle for the first time in forever. They don't have that. It's one of the weaknesses of the defense. It's one of the reasons why you see on third down that they do what? Oftentimes move Demarcus Lawrence inside so he can serve as that three technique, that pass rusher at, at, from the uh, inside position. Uh, so they need one, man. And uh, to their credit, they finally decided to go get one. And now let's hope he can play. Yeah, and, and, and so when you look around this, this will come as a shock to no one. The number one defensive tackle in the NFL, according to these people in the survey, it, it, it's Aaron Donald, as you might expect. Right. Chris Jones, number two with the Chiefs. Jeffrey Simmons from the Titans, number three. Quinnen Williams with the Jets, who just signed a monster contract, number four. And then Javon Hargrave there for the 49ers, coming in at number five. And it's kind of wild because you're going to hear a lot of 49ers defensively. You know, you got Warner, you got Hargrave. We haven't even gotten to Bosa yet and all those guys but we already knew that I mean that defense is so loaded for them so that brings up the next category which is edge rushers and this of course is yeah, where you would expect Micah Parsons to make his debut and, and he is on the list he's not number one though Nick Bosa number one Nick Bosa is number one Miles Garrett is number two Micah Parsons is number three all right how you feel about that I mean I'm I'm that doesn't necessarily bother me. I don't take some great umbrage uh, to that. I mean, I don't know because they play in the, NF in the AFC, even though, um, you know, Josh Miles Garrett is from Dallas, played at Arlington Martin, I believe. Yeah. Um, you know, he did have 16 sacks. How about this, Matt? Each of the last two years. Yeah, both back-to-back -back seasons. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I said, we don't see him a lot because yeah. the Browns have sucked. They're not on national TV a lot. Um, dude. He's played uh, how many? It's easier to say this. He's played 81 games in his NFL career. He started 81 games in his NFL career. He has 74 and a half sacks, double seem, digits each of the good. last five years. It seems like he's so, all right. Like I'm saying again, we don't see him all the time. That dude's been all pro four times in six seasons, which is he insane. is that guy. He is. He is that guy. He had 23 disrupted plays last year, which are sacks, interceptions, forced fumbles, or passes defended, which led all edge players. He has 24 turnovers forced by pressure since 2017, leading the wow. rest of the defensive field by five. Yeah, bro. He is the guy. Pretty good. He's pretty damn good. Now, Micah, of course, and they point out, in his second year, he led the league with a 29.7% pass rush win rate, which is insane. <laughs> I mean, that's so crazy. And as one NFL coordinator says, it wouldn't surprise me if he's number one by next year. His talent is undeniable. In the two years since he's been in the league, he's pressured quarterbacks on over 18% of his pass rushes, 
which tops the league among Ed rushers with 500 plus attempts. And so he can do everything. We know that. I mean, we see Micah all the time. But to your point about Miles Garrett, you're right. We just don't think about him very often because the Browns are so irrelevant for the most part. The dude is an absolute animal. Right. Nick Bosa's had 34 sacks the last two years, bro. So he deserves. And that's now listen to this. Nick Bosa's got 34 sacks. That would really be enough. That doesn't include his 40 tackles for losses the yeah. last two years. Mm-hmm. So, again, um, as I like to say this, and depending on who you talk to, some people would have Bosa number one. Some people would have Garrett number one. A few people, some people might have uh, uh, your boy Micah number one. The bottom line is you can't talk about the best edge rushers in the NFL and Micah Parsons not in the conversation. Mm. You're exactly right. He's got to be. And I have no problem with that. I mean, he's top three, and he's in the top three, and he should be. And we'll see what year three has in store for us. We move over to cornerback, and I thought this was interesting because I remember a couple of years ago in the draft, I really wanted the Cowboys to get this dude, and it ended up working out, of course, for them. But uh, Pat Sertain the second there with Denver is ranked as the number one cornerback in the NFL, and the dude's 23 years old. Uh, he's been what folks thought he would be. So, I mean, we can't even be surprised. He's he's everything people thought he would be. And you wonder why Bama didn't lose with him on one side and your boy Trayvon on the other. You have Sauce Gardner, number two. You got Jalen Ramsey, number three. Jair Alexander with the Packers, number four. Darius Slay with the Eagles, number five. Marlon Humphrey with the Ravens, number six. Marshawn Lattimore with the Saints, number seven. And coming in, ranked number eight as the eighth best cornerback in the NFL, Trayvon Diggs, as they say, look, 49 pass breakups and 17 interceptions since 2020. They said that several voters had him in the top three. He was unranked by others. And as we all know, the quote from an NFL personnel person, he's gotten better at gambling overall. It's still a hindrance to his game. If he can be more calculated with his ways, he can be viewed more like an Asante Samuel Sr., I mean, I think that's. Uh, I think he took a huge step in that direction last year, and I think he'll take another huge step in that direction this year. As why, as you get more experience, as you become more familiar with situational football, as you become more in tune and ingrained in, hey, it's third and seven. They're in this formation. If I get this look, now I'm finna jump it, as opposed to trying to jump everything. And that, to me, comes with experience. Uh, but you don't want to say, hey, man, play conservative because that ain't the guy that you drafted. You drafted a ball hawk. Uh, he's part of the reason why the Cowboys have gone from a team that didn't cause any turnovers ever into a team that's uh, always turning the ball over. You need that. Um, you just need him to be a little more calculating with his gambles. And let's keep it real. I know you play, paid to intercept the ball and break up passes. You got to be a better run defender, dog. Ain't nobody asking you to uh, blow up people, but you can't be the chump that you've been against the run. Yeah, you're exactly right. And we all know how one of the things that really jumps out about Diggs, his closing speed, I think we're all aware of that. I mean, that guy can close a gap in a hurry. And they've got this little nugget here. It says Diggs has reached 20 plus miles per hour on 36 different plays since 2020, which is tops in the league. I mean, that is moving, moving. brother. So it's not just your eyes when you go, damn, that dude can close. He actually, he's legit doing it. I mean, it's, it's up there. So as you might imagine, I thought this was interesting. So he's eight out of the top 10. And then they have five guys mentioned honorable mentions, but coming in 16th, Stefan Gilmore. Now that's, uh, that's a little lower than I would think. Uh, but uh, why is that? I don't know. I don't know I why mean, it's some of it, some Some of it could be age. I would guess, yeah. Uh, you know, um, now we don't, we haven't looked at it like this because, you know, we're in Dallas. But, you know, the reality is he's been a terrific player, but he's now on his third team and on his fourth team in four years. Yeah. What's up with that? <laughs> and Fair. 32. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right. You don't have to be mad about it, but, you know, at some point, somebody has to say, Doug, you're a really good player. You have um, you have a career history of being a terrific player. Why are you on your fourth team in four years, in your opinion? You know, so that may be why he's 16. 
It could be. But at the same time, the fact that the Cowboys have two of the top 16 cornerbacks in the NFL. We'll take that. I'll take it. I like that. Because if they hadn't traded for Stephon Gilmore, they would have one. And that's going to be, I think, a fantastic addition to the defense. I'm excited to see what they can do with him because I still think he's got something left. So we'll move on to safeties. And again, we've talked about this before. Most people, I mean, you might be able to only name a couple of safeties, honestly. But yeah. the one, the two that probably everybody would name, one of them is, of course, the top safety in the NFL, Minka Fitzpatrick. That's no surprise whatsoever. And the other one's Derwin James. And those are the top two in this poll. And I don't think that's a surprise. No, no, no. Uh, Derwin James just needs to stay healthy. And Fitzpatrick, uh, you know, how do I want to say it? Miami did one of the dumb things of all time. Yeah. And I talk about this yeah. all the time, which is you draft a guy and then you ask him to do something he's never done. When you, when you saw – and this is not like a, you know, like a tweener situation where, oh, well, you've never played stand-up linebacker, but we need you to do that because you don't have the size to be on – put your hand on the ground. This is not that. This is – Hey, at Alabama, you were a stud doing this. We're going to draft you and ask you to do that. Yeah. And he, and let me tell you something, dog. To his credit, he said, y'all have lost your ever-loving minds. I ain't doing that. Get me up out of here. And they traded in Pittsburgh, mm. a defensive-minded team. They said, hey, you did this at Alabama. Why don't you do this here? And what is he? One of the best safeties in the game. Let me just shake your head sometimes, bro. Yeah, shake man, because that dude is awesome. Shake your head, bro. So we move forth down the list of safeties. And so, by the way, just kind of rounding out the top five, Justin Simmons with the Broncos was third. Buda Baker there with the Cardinals four. And Javon Holland with the Dolphins, number five. There are 22 safeties listed that all received votes. Jerron Curse is one of them. All right. So I thought that was interesting because I think Curse is a solid safety. I don't know that I view him. I certainly wouldn't view him as one of the top 10, but the fact that he registered a vote of, of someone's or people thought of him, I think, again, it's just kind of nice to see his name on the list out of the guys listed. I would say this, bro. He is a really good player for the Cowboys. I don't know that he would be a really good player for every other team. Because Dan Quinn, you know, he was in the league five years doing nothing except yeah. playing special teams. Dan Quinn looked at him and said, you know what? I see. I've got a vision for this cat. I wonder if he can execute it. Well, yeah, he's executed. Now he's made him a big part of the Cowboys uh, secondary. He's got a nice contract. And I think he was smart to say, you know what? Because contract he's got, I want to say it's like two years, 10 million. It's not the kind that kills you. Uh, it's not the kind he will say, oh, my God, I, you know, I've got more money than Bill Gates. Yeah. But but he was smart enough to know I don't need I don't need all the money in the world. I need money in a team where I'm going to stay for a couple of years, collect all of this 10 million dollars and be straight because I haven't really had a big payday in the NFL. And this constitutes for me a big payday. They know exactly how to use me. And uh, the good thing for him now is he's established himself. And so if Dan Quinn stays, he can stay here and be that player if Dan Quinn leaves he can be that player maybe for him in another couple years although I'm gonna just put this out there they've drafted Marquise Bell out of Florida A&M last year to be Javon Curse he fits man and it's it's yeah. it's just nice to see him on the list no oh, and he's huge he is yes no he's like huge for real he looked like a, every bit of a linebacker so we go to tight ends and look the Cowboys aren't going to have one listed anywhere. Why would they, right? The number one tight end listed is, is obvious. It's Travis Kelsey, followed by George Kittle, Mark Andrews with the Ravens, Dallas Goddard there with the Eagles, number four, and Darren Waller, number five. But I did think it was interesting because coming in essentially at number 11, the first honorable mention name is Dalton Schultz, who just went to the Texans. And I thought it was interesting because you and I both, like, I just never got the guy. I, I thought almost by default at times, now, to be fair, he, he found ways to get himself open and got a lot of catches. But it, as one scout says, he's a lot like Dallas Goddard, just a little smaller. He does everything really well. And an NFC executive says, very natural. The game makes sense to him, whatever that right. means. But, no, it just mean, I think it just means he, he understands how to play the game. 
you know, he understands, oh, they give me this, here's a soft spot, let me settle. But that's why he's quarterback friendly. That's why he'll be great for C.J. Stroud. He'll be where he's supposed to be when he's supposed to be there, and when you throw it to him, he'll make the catch. Um, my only issue with, with, with Dalton Schultz is he thought he was a top five tight end. Yeah, yeah. That was my only issue with Dalton Schultz. <laughs> and, 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 nope. and at one level, I don't even mind that because you got to think that you that guy. Um, you know, to to survive in the dog eat dog world that is the National Football League, you have to think that you are the baddest man on the planet. So that never bothered me, but uh, it was more like just like his attitude uh, when you deal with him. Just like, dude, I mean, give it a rest. Yeah, uh, maybe it's Stanford elitism or something. I don't know, man, but uh, he was a douche in a lot of ways. I mean, he blocked you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. I may I may have deserved that one. Yeah, you probably did. Let's be honest. I'm, I'm being I said like I don't think I deserve Kyler Murray's block. And I was very proud of myself that I didn't block some people yesterday. <laughs> well, there you go. That's good news. Uh, did you did you see any of that I'm talking about? No, I didn't. know. Oh well, we'll talk when we finish this. We'll talk about that something because it's a relevant NFL conversation. And. Okay. I'm gonna say this, and then we'll get back off because it'd be a very quick exit ramp. You know what my, you know my whole deal as a columnist was is uh, when I serve that role now is it's never to say, hey Matt, I wrote this, and now you need to agree with me. It's never ever that. A lot of times it's, hey Matt, I wrote this. Had you even thought that that was a perspective that needed to be examined? And you go, huh? I hadn't really thought about that. Mm. Now I don't really agree with that, but huh? Yeah, I can see. Okay, I see how somebody could come down that road and figure out and come up with that conclusion. Now, I don't really agree with that, but I see how somebody could get there. Dude, to me, that's what a columnist does. It gives you some things to think about that you might not have considered. Yeah, I, w- I would say that's probably exactly what they should do, and you would know. So, You'd be shocked at the number of people that can't consider anything other than their own opinion. Oh, no, I, I'm very well aware of that. <laughs> That's what works for you, so you're right and everybody else is wrong. Dude, it's crazy. It is. But anyway, we'll get back to that in a minute because it was a legitimate football question. Okay, so let's move to running backs. And I wasn't oh. sure if Tony Pollard would, would register or not. Oh, dude. he's. I, I figured he, he would. But yeah. in running backs, and I've got to tell you, man, I don't. maybe I shouldn't be surprised, but Nick Chubb was listed as the number one running back in the NFL with Christian McCaffrey coming in number two. Nick Chubb had a hell of a year now. He bro. did. He was a beast. He's like Miles Garrett. Like we don't see him, so we don't think about him. That dude had a hell of a year now. And I wouldn't have guessed this. Since entering the NFL in 2018, he has averaged 5.2 yards per rush for his career. <laughs> what am I telling you? Nick Chubb is that dude, man. Which we just don't hear about him. By the way, is the second best mark in NFL history behind Jamal Charles, who was at 5.4 yards. And he was a scat back, not a yeah. real running back. I mean, uh, but look at Nick Charles, man. Ooh. The last four years, 1494, 1067, 1259, 1525. And the most carries he's ever had is 302. He's a His beast. His average per year, man, 5.2, 5.0, 5.6, 5.5, 5.0. That's ridiculous, bro. And I may have to spend a little money on him in fantasy this year. Um, I think a lot of that is he breaks a lot of long runs. Yeah. Um, and so he has those big plays uh, that really uh, that really help his average. And if Deshaun Watson can find his game, you know, they can do some things on offense if he can find his game. Yeah. I mean, they've got a really good wide receiver you might have heard of. Mari Cooper is there. Yeah. So we'll see what they can do. So McCaffrey, number two, Josh Jacobs, number three, Saquon, number four. And Derrick Henry rounding out the top five. But you keep going down. Jonathan Taylor, number six. I'd put Tony ahead of him. Alvin Kamara, number seven. Dalvin Cook, eighth. I mean, Dalvin Cook's had four straight 1,100-yard seasons. I know, and it's just wild that he's still a free agent. But coming in as the ninth best running back in the NFL, Tony Pollard. I would put Tony at about number six. But I understand why he's behind those other guys. But um, if his body will hold up coming into next year, he'll easily be, if his body holds up, a top five guy. 
Yeah, and, it, and it's this is actually, I like what these guys say. So a veteran NFL offensive coach says, I call him a lemonade player. He turns lemons into lemonade, makes something out of nothing. It doesn't have to be perfect for him to make plays. And, and some AF, AFC guy adds speed. He's got major burst, well, which I was, we know. I was talking to some friends of mine at the gym about him because they were asking me about him. They said, yeah, I don't know if he can hold up, you know, da-da-da-da-da. Zeke's a big guy, da da I said, dude, Tony Pollard is six foot two ten. Yeah. He's not some. He's not a scat back. He's not five and ten, you know, one hundred eighty five pounds. He's a legitimate size running back. He's just never had to be the lead guy, and so until you've done it, you haven't done it. And so now we'll see. Uh, but not you open up. Not I didn't realize running backs were next. We can jump into my segue now, Matt. Okay. One of the guys you mentioned is included. Oh, all right. This is fantastic. See, so I, so I was talking about Saquon Barkley yesterday. As it relates to Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. like Joe Mixon two years ago, like this is the 22 in the 2021 season, Joe Mixon had 1,200 yards, okay, and helped the Bengals get to the Super Bowl. Last year, he had 800 and something close to 900 yards. Uh, his average per carry dipped to less than four, and he's still 26 years old. The Bengals basically told him you need to take a 50% pay cut. Okay, so that's that situation. And I was relating it to, hey, this is why Zeke Elliott, all those other cats like bump that. I want my money now because as soon as I dip, you're going to be taking it from me and I'll never, ever get it back. So as it relates to Saquon Barkley, I put a tweet out there that said, hey, Saquon needs to get his money when he can get it, hold out for as much as you can get. Even though technically, there's not a holdout. He doesn't have a contract. Right, okay? yeah. But here's the deal. And then I said, this was not even the first. This was the third sentence, Matt. I go, don't, over, don't underestimate the racial component, which is you overpaid the white quarterback who got money he didn't deserve, and now you don't want to pay the black running back who can't get the money he does deserve. And all these people, it's not race. Everything's not a race issue. I said, if you ask black players, it is. And the thing is, how many times have you asked a black player that? I didn't say this sits up with, well, look at all the black quarterbacks getting paid around the league. Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watts. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about one specific situation and one specific team where if you overpay a quarterback who, who nobody in America thought Daniel Jones was getting $40 million a year, uh, for 15 touchdowns and five interceptions. And you don't want to pay a running back who everybody says is the heart and soul of the team, was one of the league's leading rushers last year, blase, blase. From a black player perspective, it can be, look at this, man. Why y'all want to take care of the brother? All he did was what he's supposed to do, blase, blase, blase. Yeah. That's just a thought process that can happen amongst black players. Dude, you would be amazed at the people. number. It's not a racial issue. It can't be a racial issue. Well, how would you know? And I said this, Matt. That was what I was thinking. Like, white folks can't tell me what can be a racial issue. He said, why do you say folks? Oh, would you rather me say white people? I mean, folks and people to me is kind of the same. Yes, I didn't, I, say, I didn't say white boy. Then you might could take some offense because I wouldn't say black boy. But I say black folks all the time. Look at my writing. I must say black folks a million times. That's just the way I communicate. People and folks are synonymous to me. Yeah, I didn't. But anyway. I don't understand that there was a difference. See what I'm saying? Huh. But the fact that, and here was my whole point. I said, I'm not saying it could. I'm just saying it's a thought process that could happen and it could cast a pall on the team. No, never. And I'm here to tell you, man, when Zach Martin got paid and Dak had to fight and scrunch and play on the, play on the franchise tag for a year, mm. yeah, the franchise is 37. That's not the point. It was, a, it was an issue in the locker room. Nah, you know, I didn't say it was a huge issue. I just said it was an issue. It's like any other workplace where you're mad at the workplace. You know, it can become a distraction. You think Emmett Smith not getting paid was a distraction in 1993, Matt? I would imagine. It was. <laughs> I mean, didn't they start 0-2? Yeah. And so that's all I was. I was only raising the point that it can really cast a pall if you don't get it fixed because of the dynamics and how it looks. But, dude, 
you just you thought I was I mean you know telling people that uh, they belong to the clan and it's just not the case and uh, I was I was I, I then became the point of saying you're so defensive that you can't even understand the point or somebody hit me today he said so you're saying they wouldn't play and I'm like I never said they wouldn't play <laughs> I just said it would cast a pall because you're talking about it in the locker room in the training room in the showers right in meetings like why are they doing your boy like that man I don't know and so that's all it just becomes an issue like that and so it's can you take yourself out of your comfort zone and see from another person's perspective how it might be like that and this one guy's like, well, that's not reality. Dude, what's I mean, how, the oldest? But what, how would they know? The, that's the, like what you said. Like, how would you know? <laughs> if you're a white person, especially, how would you have any idea? Bro, it's the arrogance, man. I mean, that's like a completely different perspective that you don't even, you can't even possibly begin to understand. <laughs> you know? <laughs> People, man. You know? And this went on for much of the day while I was out running errands and doing other stuff and doing some I'm work. Sure it did. And I was just like, wow. Uh, and it was really, for me, the most interesting thing was just the, it cannot be that. I mean, I was like, wow, really? Like, you say it so matter-of-factly. Right, yeah. I mean, how would you, you know, know? Running backs just don't get paid these days. I understand that. I'm only talking about the giant situation. I'm not talking about everybody else's situation. Yeah. Why? Because Barkley is the focal point of their offense. Daniel Jones is not. Yet Daniel Jones got his money no problem, and Barkley is fighting for his. And in America these days, where there's a bunch of folks wearing MAGA hats, you can come up with that conclusion if you're a black player. Well, I'm a white guy, so I know that what you're thinking. <laughs> so I don't know how, why you would say that. That's not true. <laughs> but anyway, it made for Thank an interesting God. conversation. <laughs> people, you know, people are just, we're, we're, we're just an interesting species. But yeah, and um, I probably have come to grips with that because normally in the past, I would have just been like, you're such an idiot. I'm just going to block you so I don't have to deal with your idiocy anymore. Yeah. And yesterday I was just like, um, you know what? You're just obtuse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that that's fair. I would say there's a lot of obtuse people in the world and it's a word that people don't use a lot. But once you understand what it is, there's a lot of obtuse people <laughs> in the world. Truly. Yeah, there are. Yeah, there are. So let's roll forth before we go down the because there's two more positions I wanted to throw out. But let's tell you about Freeway Tire Shop, because, man, you want to talk about a guy you can trust, stands behind his work, positive outcomes, great place to go, treats his customers just as good as you can ever be treated at a mechanic shop. It's Freeway Tire Shop, man. We found the one that you can trust for your oil changes, your tires, anything you need. JR and his guys are going to get you taken care of and set up and do it right. You know, JR is great at what he does. His company is great. The customer service is great. And I tell everybody that the reason why I use them is you can trust the quick diagnosis to the, to the problem with your car. You can um, trust them to use quality parts to fix your car. You can trust them to charge you a fair price, man. Not everybody does. And then you can trust them to stand behind his work. He's done those things consistently since I started working with him. And so, um, to me, if your mechanic is not doing each and every one of those things, then you and your car need to go right up 35 toward Denton, get off at Commonwealth. It's about five minutes from downtown, seriously. Mm -hmm. uh, go through the light, look to the right. JR is there. Then get you done quick, fast, and in a hurry. Uh, he's elite customer service. Uh, you can leave your car there. They'll text you a quote. They'll text you the parts that, that they're replacing. I mean, it's, it's uh, number one from top to bottom for me, man. And so I tell anybody, if you got car problems, if there's any question about your mechanic, go right up to Freeway Tire and watch JR do his thing for you. It's easy. It's Freeway Tire Shop. You can check them out online, freewaytireshop.com. And we mention this all the time, but seriously, if you're going to do that, try to plan it where you can drop your car off on a weekend and then go around the corner like in an Uber or something to Smokey John's Barbecue because it's about five minutes from Freeway Tire Shop. And there you will find the jam session bowl on the secret menu. You're going to walk in and be like, where is it? Where is it? it? It's not on. It's secret. Like, you have to listen to the podcast and be a Jam fan to even know that you can order it. And it's fantastic. And how about this? Juan sent me this email. They're on a new episode. It's a new A&E show on A&E, the channel. 
It's called Best in Chow, and they were on this past weekend, and they're going to be on it again coming up in September. Yep. So if you're featuring or if you watch that, you see, catch that maybe on a rerun, but Best in Chow focusing on Smokey John's Barbecue. I mean, TV shows are telling you these guys are that good. Dude, it's fantastic. And it, it all starts and ends for me. With the jam session bowl, when they take a mac and cheese or macaroni bay uh, or a mashed potato base, your choice, two out of five smoked meats, and then the fun starts. All that stuff you find on loaded baked potato, like uh, bacon bits mm-hmm. and chives and butter and sour cream, all that stuff, man. They pile it on top of that, if you can picture that. All right. Then comes the fun part. You're either a drizzler like me with the sauce or a drencher like Matt with the sauce. They put that on there, and then, man, it's to live for. Uh, I like to tell y'all, for real, two people can handle it easy, no problem. You got a little shorty, three of y'all can eat it. Uh, there still can be leftovers with two people. This happened to me many, 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 many times. Mm. Although I have seen on a few occasions one person kill the whole thing. But uh, that was a very large man and a very hungry man. Uh, so, ask for the Jam Session Bowl. It's on the secret menu. Uh, you don't have to shout it. Just ask for it. Those who know, know. Those who don't, don't. And then they'll try and order it too because they go, what, what is that? Yeah. And I've had that happen to me before. Oh, wow. Yeah. That looks amazing. What is that? It's the Jam Session Bowl only at Smokey John's Barbecue. So get over and support those guys, man. Juan and Brent, the brothers that own that place, been in their family for years and years. Such a great place. Really good people. And you're going to love the food. So as we roll forth here, And I was very, very curious about this next category as we continue down this list of positions and rankings around the NFL. Offensive tackle. Because for years, it was a no-brainer. Tyron Smith is either number one or number two top tackle in the NFL. And we know, look, over the last few years, he's kind of started sliding down the list. Well, I will report to you that he is no longer in the top 10. He has dropped out of being a top 10 left tackle, according to the survey, But he is mentioned on the honorable mention list where technically he would be considered 15th. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, man, I don't know. But to be fair, he misses so much time. And that's kind of what they point out here. They say the eight-time Pro Bowler had an 89% pass block win rate and gave up just one sack last season. But an NFL personnel director said, I still see him as a top guy when he's healthy and he's right. He's a load. And that's really the key when he's healthy, when he's right, because that just does not happen much for him anymore. No, and that's uh, that's typically, typically, typically what takes people out of the game, man. <laughs> it's the injuries. It's the wear and tear on the body so that you can no longer perform the way you used to perform. That's literally what takes people out of the game. Um, and so he's at that point in his career. Uh, where where it happens to him. You know, he hadn't played 16, 17. He hadn't played 16 games in forever, let alone 17. And, um, you know, if he could get to that level this year, it would truly help the Cowboys. But I'm sitting here telling you, as much as I like him because he's a great dude, I don't expect him to get to 17 games. And so they have to have a viable uh, deal for what to do with him when he's not playing. Yeah, and that's... You know, we've kind of seen the tweaks they've made to the line and moving him around, and, and we'll see. I don't know what to expect. Be interesting to see. Are they just going to anchor him at left tackle until he gets hurt and slide uh, the other Smith over into his spot? It sounds like that's kind of what they're going to do. We'll see. But the number one tackle in the NFL, and I thought this was interesting because he's in his mid-30s himself, Trent Williams of the 49ers ranked number one, Laramie Tunzel in Houston number two, Tristan Wirfs, in Tampa, number three, and Lane Johnson rounding out. And this is wild because the Eagles had the number four and number five tackles with Lane Johnson and Jordan Maialata, or however you pronounce that dude's name. Yeah. But, yeah, man, that's, you know. And that's why they're hard to beat, man. Solid (laughs) offensive line in Philadelphia. But, again, and that's why, you know, I still think that there's this idea that Dallas has this elite-level offensive line It's a good offensive line, but it's no longer the best dominant offensive line that it once was. It just isn't. No, because Zach Martin is getting older. Tyron Smith, we've already discussed, is getting a lot older. Uh, Biotish has become a solid player when I think he was below average player. Uh, Terrence Steele is becoming a good player when he was below average. 
so they got some improvements. We don't know who, what they're doing at left guard, but uh, I mean, I guess if it's Ty- Tyler Smith, uh, they'll yeah. be fine. He looks like he's going to be a winner. Uh, so they got a good line. I don't want anybody to think I think that they have an average or bad. They got a good line. Uh, it's just not an elite line, and that's why if they had an elite line, you might still see Ezekiel Elliott here. But the fact that they don't have an elite line means you need a guy like Tony Pollard who doesn't need an elite line. And that's just the nature of the game. That's the nature of the beast. Yeah, and, and that's reality where you look around, and again, the tackles and the interior linemen that are ranked, the Cowboys, Tyron Smith, as I just told you, basically 15th best tackle. The Eagles have guys all over both lists, and so do a couple of other teams. And the Cowboys, the only one that they had in the top 10, and this will come as no surprise to anybody, on the interior offensive linemen, including guards and centers, right. Zach Martin, number one in the NFL, his sixth first team all pro last year, among the most highly productive players at any position. He gave up three sacks last year on a 96% pass block win rate, the eighth best clip in the league. And as one high ranking NFL executive says, he's maybe declined physically a little bit due to age, but he's so smart and so instinctive that he makes up for any shortcomings. No, that's the whole key, man. Um, Age and wisdom. What are we, what are we talking about with uh, with uh, Trayvon Diggs, a cornerback, man? Age and wisdom will make up for a lot of things as you get older, if 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 you can get smarter. Yeah, and um, I think that's the case, and uh, it's it's true. It makes you a better player because you just have experience. You know how to attack things, and that's the beauty of experience. Whether you're talking about a radio host or or a left tackle, and that's where again. When you look at this offensive line, so Zach Martin viewed as the best interior lineman in the NFL, Tyron Smith, the 15th tackle, but any of the other guys that we named aren't coming in, I mean, anywhere. You know, none of the other guys is registering in the top 20 tackles or guards or centers. I also don't think that they have, um, I mean, Beatish doesn't have any name recognition. No, yeah, and and Tyler Smith Uh, was a rookie. I mean, he very well could be on this list in a year or two. Right, so... You know, I think that's why I say they have a good line. But at some point, soon, like the next year or two, Zach Martin, you're going to have to replace him because he's probably going to start doing the the, uh, the Tyler Smith. Yeah. I mean, he's 32, going to be 33 very soon. So that's kind of how it goes, man. I mean, that's the reality of, like, you talk about age and, and where they're at, which is why we always say, I mean, they've had these guys in this elite line and they really haven't ever taken advantage of it, unfortunately. Is what it is. Yes, sir. And then we will wait on quarterbacks and wide receivers. Very curious to see where Dak lists out and also CeeDee Lamb. I'll be curious to see where CeeDee Lamb shows up. I anticipate both of them being in the top 10. I think that's fair. Now, how high up in the top 10? I do not know. We will find out. But we'll have that for you on the next episode when they update this. By the way, speaking of quarterbacks, have you seen that show on Netflix called Quarterback with Patrick Mahomes, Kirk Cousins, and Marcus Mariota where they followed them around for the entire season, like went home with them, all that? Funny you should mention that. I just watched probably the first uh, 30 minutes of it this morning. Okay. And I was like, oh, okay, this seems pretty good. Yeah, man, it's, it's really enjoyable, and I love that it's uncensored. And man, it's so wild because Patrick Mahomes comes across as just like a dude. And you get very quickly, he kind of just strikes you as, man, that dude can lead guys. Like, I'd run through a wall for Patrick Mahomes. That guy is fired up and wants to win. And you can see some of the things. Some of it is just he's a freak physically. And they go through that, I think, in episode two, like some of the stuff that he does with his in-season workouts and getting his body ready and all this. But just the way that he's he he plays and the way he is in the room and all that. And then you get to Kirk Cousins, and it is, I mean, I kid you not, if that dude was not a quarterback in the NFL, he would be leading a mega church as a youth minister. <laughs> all right. I feel you on that. I mean, there's a scene, and I think it's in episode two, so you probably haven't seen it yet where Mahomes is like screaming at Max Crosby of the Raiders, like up in his face. He's like, all right, MFR, all right, MFR. And like, I mean, you're hearing everything and screaming at him and fired up. And then it, it cuts to that, to Kirk Cousins, who's at home sitting in his backyard. And he's like, oh, oh no, I just, would you look at that? I, I burned my sweatshirt. 
Oh, shoot. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and this is dad's favorite sweatshirt, too, isn't it, kids? Yeah. Well, that's too bad. And you're just like, what in the world, man? And then Marcus Mariota just comes across as really bland. <laughs> A real quiet guy, you know, I almost shy. Mariota to be. I can't either. Like, like, what was he going to bring you? I don't know. I guess it's because you got the GOAT, one of them, and Patrick Mahomes and the way that his career has gone. You have, I mean, let's be honest. When we think, who's the average quarterback in the NFL? We all think Kirk Cousins. Now, see, Kirk Cousins is weird to me because I think he's better than the average quarterback. I agree. He really is. But, but he's, here's the problem for Kirk Cousins. Other quarterbacks, and you can say, like, see, the difference between Dak and Kirk Cousins to me is intangibles. Like, Dak has a certain level of intangibles that allow him to elevate his game in some moments, and Kirk doesn't. Yeah. And, you know, before people bombard me, and I spent the weekend, there's some dude on Twitter who I've decided to stop responding to. Not not that I respond to him, but I, I decided to stop retweeting and answering mm-hmm. some questions. And that's because he'll, he'll do something like, well, Kirk Cousins is a Hall of Famer because he has more touchdown passes than Troy Aikman. Oh, my more yards God. yards than Ken Stabler. And I'm just like. What a dumbass. That's just, just like, dumb. Yeah, well, the game has changed. And, you know, they're arguing now for uh, the last one when I said, you know what? Jesus. Okay, I'm out. Can it was Shady us? McCoy has 10,000 yards and 75 touchdowns. He should be in the Hall of Fame. He's got more than 10,000. And I'm just like, nobody ever said Shady McCoy is one of the best running backs to ever play the game. Nobody ever said that. That's just dumb. And you know how I feel about uh, your boy who's got all the yards, Frank, uh, whatever his name is. Gore, Frank Gore. You know, because I guess I got to give him credit for being a compiler, but nobody ever said Frank Gore Oh, you know, there's Jim Brown, there's Barry Sanders, there's Frank Gore. Nobody ever said that. Uh, like I said, I guess I have to give him credit for being a compiler. But, you know, everybody wants to be in the Hall of Fame, and it's not the Hall of Fame ain't for everybody, man. You got to be able to tell the story of the NFL, in my opinion. And you need to include this dude in it to tell the story of the NFL. If you don't, people be like, how the hell you write the chapter about the 50s and you ain't talk about Jim Brown? Like, what's wrong with you, dog? Like, how you write about the 50s, you ain't talk about Otto Graham? Like, dude, what's your problem? How you write the 70s and you ain't talk about Stabler and Greasy and, and all of that? What's your problem, dude? Nobody's going to say, hey, how did you not talk about the 2010s and not mention Shady McCoy? Like, like dude, nobody's going to say that, man. Yeah, and the, the Kirk Cousins thing, I mean, just stop. Kirk Cousins, and see, this is a thing that I feel about Eli Manning. He's got the two Ooh. rings, and I get it, but the reality of it is you would never in any year that he played, you would never look at him and say he's one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL. You know who I think of when I think of Kirk Cousins in a way? I mean, uh, Eli Manning in a way hmm. is uh, uh, Jim Plunkett. Okay, yeah. You know, he's a good quarterback, had good stats. Uh, I mean, was a good quarterback, had average stats. I ended up winning the Super Bowl, but, you know, that was his claim to fame. It wasn't that he was a, uh, you know, he just wasn't a great player. Yeah, man, I mean. He had some great moments. The Hall of Fame is not about statistics and all that type of thing. It's were you, when you played, looked at as the elite at your position. Right. In your era, when compared. And that's the thing, like, with Kirk Cousins, I mean, my God. (laughs) <laughs> if you think Kirk Cousins should be in the Hall of Fame, you should probably stop watch, like just stop watching the NFL. Because <laughs> that's just ridiculous. That's the most asinine thing I've heard in a long time. Right. Because nobody ever, I could name in any given year, nine to 10 quarterbacks every single year he's ever played that you are, are, were better and on a different level than Kirk Cousins. Right. But and see, this is what I'm getting at. And, um, you know, Jim Plunkett, Won two Super Bowls. He had 164 TDs and 198 picks. <laughs> now, he played in a different era, so it was harder to throw the ball. We get that. But the point is, you know, man, he won the two Super Bowls, but nobody ever thought he was a great player. They thought at various times he was a good player. And I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself, but Jim Plunkett was the number one pick in the draft yeah. back in the day. So we're not talking about a slap dick. We're talking about a guy who was supposed to be 
a great player. And he wasn't. And he wasn't. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And Eli Manning, I'm here to tell y'all, was not a great player. He had great moments. And if you wanted to put a wing in the Hall of Fame and talk about, hey, here was a guy who was at his best in the clutch in the playoffs. You could do that. Yeah. That dude did not have a Hall of Fame career. He did not. You are correct. (laughs) He just didn't, man. To me, it would be like Chris Johnson. If you wanted to put something in there about Chris Johnson and how he gained 2,000 yards out of nowhere one year, and for three years he was like that dude, fine, go ahead and put a wing in there. Put a nice exhibit and all of that. But nobody sits here and talks about Chris Johnson as a Hall of Famer. Yeah, he's not a Hall of Famer. That's just reality, man. People got to understand this with the Hall of Fame. Just got to stop. And Chris Johnson actually had more good years than I thought. He's still not a Hall of Famer. No, he had about he had about what about a five year stretch where he was really really good. So get off the Hall of Fame Kirk Cousins wagon. <laughs> but yeah, the the show's totally worth watching. No, it is. I'm three episodes in, and we'll finish it. And it's it's been really good. How many episodes is it? Eight. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I, I, no, I, I like it. I like those shows where uh, where you get some honesty. Yes, and I love that it's uncensored, and you actually and they do a, a really good job of bringing some of the cool things inside the game. Right. You know, because like NFL films or whatever, when they do mic'd up on different things, they're all censored, and it's the dumbest stuff ever. <laughs> where they're not saying anything it's just stupid and this show takes it up a level and is really really shows you a lot which is really cool to see yeah so check that out all right we got a couple of stories i want to throw out for you but we need to tell you about our guys over there at hfx foundation solutions aaron and his crew a full service foundation repair company they service all of dfw they specialize in slab they do pier and beam foundation repair they do drainage if you got drainage problems on your property and and i've mentioned this before gutter installation if you do not have gutters on your home you need to get that taken care of immediately so if if you don't have that give them a call if you see cracks or sticking doors or things you notice like something's just not quite right with your home the way it used to be things like that can be signs that you may have a foundation problem and they offer a free no obligation inspection it's very much worth it to have those guys come out and check it out to see if there is a problem or not Dude, you want them to come out because the quickest way to get a decrease in your home value has some foundation problems. Ain't nobody trying to have that, man. Mm. So what you want is for uh, HFX, Aaron, his team to come out and check it out. Check out all the stuff inside your house that you aren't going to be able to see, man. That's why we lovingly call it what? Colonoscopy for the crib, man. Same way the cameras go inside your body and look, make sure you're straight. Same thing with your house, man. You need Aaron and his team to make sure your house is straight. Because like I said, you want the peace of mind that comes from knowing ain't nothing wrong that I don't know about. And if by chance, by chance they find something, chances are because you did this, you'll find it early. And we all know things cost a lot less to repair when you find it early than when you find it late. It's easy. 817-770-0174. HFX Foundation Solutions. You can check them out online at hfxfoundation.com. So came across this article here, just a quick trip around the block before we wrap this up, but they're such a wild name for a place. They're building this in Allen, and apparently there's already one in Grand Prairie. It's called Chicken and Pickle. And Chicken and Pickle has multiple locations. It is... I mean, basically, it's an indoor-outdoor entertainment complex that has a two-story casual restaurant and a sports bar where you can play pickleball inside of it. Um, dude, it's... Uh, the one in Grand Prairie is part of... Uh, I think it's basically part of something called um, Epic Central, okay. which is a huge complex where you can rope climb and rock climb and yeah. they got some water stuff in there, but it's all part of that. But yeah, I've been trying to get there for a few weeks and just haven't been able to make it because I wanted to check it out. Uh, pickleball seems interesting. I don't know if I'm down with it. I just wanted to see how interesting it was and uh, see what it's all about. Man, it definitely looks interesting. Like I kind of want to check it out and seems like it'd be a lot of fun to play, but this is a new $14.7 million construction project in Allen it's something called the Farm in Allen, which is 135-acre mixed-use development over there on 121 in Alma. 
up in that area. And I didn't, I didn't even realize that this thing existed. There's already one in Grapevine and there's one in Grand Prairie. This will be their third location in North Texas for chicken and pickle. <laughs> I'll tell you about it once I go. Chicken but, and pickle. Uh, I mean, what a wild chicken and pickle. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's uh, the one thing I noticed around here, man, is they're building a lot of entertainment complexes, a lot of things that have multifaceted things for adults to do and hang out. Yeah. Um, I, just, I don't know how you pick one or the other other than you get introduced to it by somebody say, hey, let's go here. And then that just kind of becomes your go to spot. Yeah, I guess so, man, because this is the exact same like you're talking about. So apparently at the farm in Allen, this place that they call it, there's something called the hub and they have a 70,000 square foot two story entertainment center that'll have miniature golf, bowling, laser yep. tag, axe throwing, escape rooms and restaurant yep. and a bar. Exactly. They're trying to be the one all be all. So, you, OK, fine. You love laser tag. OK, you come here. You're tired of doing laser tag. OK, fine. You go do axe throwing. So all of that is cool, man. It works for me. More things to do. Might as well. I'll spend my money. Yeah. Let's go spend all of our money at axe throwing and miniature <laughs> golf, and then we can chicken and pickle ourselves. For sure. All right, so <laughs> we finally have gotten, because I got to know what in the world, because Jacques sends me this picture yesterday, and it's a dude on a horse, and I, I, he, I can tell that's a polo guy, but why the hell are you at a polo match? Where is this thing, and what, like, you got to tell the story. Okay, um... So we were looking for something to do yesterday and uh, we had a couple of suggestions come up and she says, Hey, uh, I just saw this on Ebright. What do you think about polo? And I go, you know, I haven't been to a uh, polo match. I remember distinctly the last time I was at one, I believe it was the summer of uh, 1988. What? I was an intern at the Cincinnati Enquirer and I had to cover polo matches uh, as an assignment wow. for some for some reason. What? Um, Sport of Kings, you know. Yeah. And so I said, you know what? That falls under a different category. Let's uh, check it out. Now, I was a little surprised because I think there's a polo something or other in Plano. And perhaps... You know, I'm old now. My memory could fault me. Maybe I went to that one as well when I was a young guy covering something. But even if that was the case, that would have been like 92, 93, 94. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I said, hey, let's let's go check that out. Uh, that sounds cool. So it was in Red Oak. I told y'all I thought it was in Plano. Why would I think it'd be in Plano? Because that's where the money is. I don't really think about Red Oak and money. No, right? I don't I either. I was going to say, now, don't y'all get all upset with me. That's just reality, man. That's just reality because I drove out to Red Oak and I'm thinking, you know, it's always funny to me when this happens in Texas, which is Red Oak is south of uh, Red Oak is actually the next city south from DeSoto on 35. OK, y'all got a mental picture of that now. Mm -hmm. But so what is that? That's literally, literally 20, 22 minutes from downtown Dallas. But if you go to Red Oak and you take a left and you go about four miles, it feels like you're in Nacogdoches or somewhere. I mean, it just feels like you're in the complete country and you're yeah, really yeah. 25 miles from downtown Dallas, which always cracks me up. Um, so anyway, man, went through some winding roads and came to a dead end. I'm like, I wonder if I've been scammed. And then I looked to the left. I said, oh, there's some horses down there. Hmm. So I drove down there and I was... Uh, I was a little bit underwhelmed. I thought it would uh, I thought it'd be more people. There weren't more people there. Matter of fact, here's why I was really pissed, Matt. Um, tickets were twenty dollars. All right. So, all right, fine, I'll pay the twenty bucks. You got tax, blah, blah, blah. It's about fifty bucks when it's all said and done. For well, I mean it's polo, so yeah. And it was two people, so okay, fine. It's all right, it's all right. Dude, ask me if anybody ever asked for my tickets. Nobody ever did. So you could have just gone for free. Dude. Awesome. I was so pissed. <laughs> so we drove out to the Plano, to the, to the, to the polo field, parked, and there's like 10 cars there. There's probably 20 people there, which is good because now you can really walk around and you can feel yeah. the race. Because I got to tell you, man, it is the sport of Kings. It is an elitist sport. 
But just from an athletic perspective, do you know what kind of hand-eye coordination you got to have to be riding a horse full speed, lean over with like a golf club and hit a ball and make it go where you want it to go? That is some amazing skill, really. And, uh, and you know, I like the sound effects because it feels like you're in a um, surround sound theater because you can hear all the galloping and the horses snorting. And, yeah. and again, there wasn't a lot of people there. I imagine, and, and yeah. Then, and then there was a big perch. And so I asked, the, they had a public announcer there who was telling everybody what was going on. And during a break, I asked him, I said, hey, can I go up to this perch? And that dude looked at me and said, well, the railing's a little rickety. Uh, but yeah, you could go up there, but you're on your own. If something happens, you, we're not liable. <laughs> and so uh, I went up, uh, we went up to the perch and looked over and checked it out until about three. I don't know what kind of bugs these were. I'm going to say they were in the hornet family as opposed to the bumblebee or the wasp okay. family. But they were three of the biggest 12 letter cuss words you'd ever seen. And she was like, I'm not here for it. Yeah. I'm out. I, yeah, I'd be like, nah, I don't know about that. And she went all the way back to the car. And because, uh, again, we were on the field, so it wasn't that big a deal. But here's what I did. Here's what I would like to tell you. Dude, trying to walk 10 feet without stepping in a, the best way to say it is it's a pothole-sized ring of cow dung. I mean, of horse dung was. Yeah, everywhere, was, I would imagine. I mean, literally. Every, literally everywhere. It's like all they do is walk and poop. Uh, it was everywhere. So, uh, but it made, uh, it was a little underwhelming, but it made for a nice adventure for a day. I'm not going back. And if I do, they'll stop me and be like, where's your ticket? I said, oh, last time I was here, I didn't need one. Uh, but I'm never paying for tickets for that again. So, yeah, I, that, that's, I mean, polo is something. <laughs> all I but know I imagine. About- Go ahead. I was like, all I know about polo, I mean, I know the the horses and, and all that. I have no concept of how the game is played. And I know that the field, and again, you're riding horses, but the field is like 300 by 160 yard wise. Like it is right. massive. Yeah. But outside of that, man, I mean. That's why I sent you some video so you could appreciate it. The only thing that I think of, when I think of polo, I think of the movie Pretty Woman because Richard Gere took <laughs> Julia Roberts to a polo match. I think, like, I really do think that there's a polo f- field up in Plano. And I think that yeah, would be a is, lot yeah. more. I think that would be a lot more entertaining to go to because there'd be a lot more people and you could really get a vibe. And that's my thought. I don't know that for sure, but that would that's just kind of like my thought. Uh, Red Oak was good because you could just walk up there and you could really get a sense of uh, the ambiance, uh, you know, from the smell of horse manure to uh like I said, hearing the horses, talking to the PA guys, all very low-key laid back. Yeah, I mean, apparently in Plano, they have the Willow Bend Polo Club. Yeah, that may have been – I may have done that one too. And the one that you went to was the Dallas Polo Club there in Red Oak. Oh, okay. Thank you for I mean, that. that is, I appreciate yeah, that. I mean, there's apparently a bunch of them, like, around the <laughs> Dallas area. Who knew? I mean, I, And, again, I mean – I, I have no idea. I don't even, it, it's, so you've done rugby and you've done polo. What's next? Right, you going right. to a cricket match? <laughs> Funny you should mention that. There's a new cricket team in Dallas. Yeah, I bet. And uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm trying to get out and uh, be a little more adventurous than I have been in the past. And so, you know, who knows where my travels might take me. Plus, you know, I live downtown now. So I just, I like the energy downtown. I like the vibe. So maybe it makes me do things I would normally do. Like go to polo matches. There you go. Yeah. Did you have to like dress up all fancy and whatnot? Bro, I was not doing that. Okay. <laughs> not doing that. Yeah, because I kind of wondered. I was like, polo, man. I mean, that is random. But there you have it. Another <laughs> podcast for all you guys. And we'll have another couple coming out this week. I don't, I'm not traveling. Do you have any travels this week? Nah. No. Okay. So we'll have a full week here leading into next week so we'll do that we'll be back wednesday we'll have one friday so be looking forward to that as we gear up getting ready for cowboys training camp man i cannot believe that we're about a week away from dallas cowboys training camp again it's just it's man it goes by fast 
Yeah, it does. But football season is almost here. We'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great week. Thanks for listening to the Jam Session Podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.